So if you have a Bible, Psalm 9, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on the sides of the tech booth back there. Feel free to go grab one. You can borrow it if you need to borrow it or if you need to take one and keep it because you don't have a Bible that you can read and understand. It is our gift to you. It's the same translation that I'll be reading from as well. It's on the screen here. If you're um, tracking along, uh, we're on the Bible app. And so if you are a user of the Bible app, you can find and follow our live event with the text and notes and all that kind of stuff. Um, so today uh, marks... Um, uh, a year, last year, this time, it was raining sideways still, right? Crazy. Uh, a friend of mine who pastors downtown said, hey, just remember, if anybody ever asks you if God can flood the world in 40 days, the answer is, yes, he can. That's, there's not even a question about that. So uh, we wanted to commemorate this one year. Now, for some, you know, some people are like, let's celebrate. And I'm like, yeah, and we need to commemorate because both of those things are, are together. So some of us, you know, God's, we saw God do some pretty powerful things. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Uh, and some of us are still kind of walking in some of the circumstances in which we found ourselves post-Harvey. So in light of all of that, uh, I thought Psalm 9 would be an appropriate thing. We're going to look at this poem, beautiful poem, and then try to draw some principles out of that. We're going to start here, Psalm 9, verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. And that's the phrase I couldn't get past this week. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. Thinking back about the past 12 months and all the things that we've gotten to see, all the things we've gotten to be a part of, all the things we've seen God do and provide and move and, and empower us in ways that we never would have thought. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult. And that's not a word you probably used this week. Exult is something like rejoicing with some oomph, all right? Something like that. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So we've got all of these commands, all of these things. Hey, let's recount the wonderful deeds of God. Let's praise God. Let's sing before him. Let's rejoice with some oomph. Um, let's give thanks. Let's um, tell of these things. Let's do all of this, okay? Why, though? Why, why would we be a part of something like this? Especially, why would we take this particular text on this particular Sunday and think back about the last 12 months? Why? I think the text helps us here. Number one, let's start in verse three. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. Don't get don't skip past that phrase. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. David here um, is, is talking about some things that he's particularly encountered, putting it in poetry form. We can draw the principle out of it that sounds something like this. Um, we need to remember, and one of the reasons we can give thanks and praise and recount all his wonderful deeds and sing and exult and all this kind of, is because God cares for you and me personally. He says in verse 4, you have maintained my just cause. Not kind of our just cause or, or the country's just cause or I'm flying this banner. Or what. You have maintained my just cause. There is a point at which God engaged in David's circumstance and in his situation such it was a very personal interaction. You have maintained my just cause. And so for all of you people in this section right here, like he cares for y'all, that's true. But listen, God cares for you, like individually for you. He's engaged in your particular circumstance, your particular thing. What did we see over the past 12 months? We saw individual brokenness. We saw broken individual houses. We saw it on a systemic side. I mean, like it was massive around here. In case you weren't here for some reason, you need to know it was, it was massive. 
But, but the thing was, we didn't just think about flooding. We thought about that house got flooded, and this house got flooded, and that family got affected, and that, and that mom is struggling, and that dad is... Di- like, each individual... Per- God cares for you personally. You have maintained my just cause. We saw brokenness. We saw brokenness in houses, obviously. We saw brokenness in families. We saw brokenness in emotions. We saw brokenness in kind of psyches, if you will. We saw brokenness of soul, fractures in relationships, over and over and over again, brokenness. But what does God do in brokenness? He doesn't run from it. He doesn't go, oh, that's kind of dirty. What does God do in brokenness? He steps right into it. And he cares for those people personally. So two words I want to add to brokenness, because we, we saw a lot of brokenness a year ago. But we also saw redemption. God working good out of bad and evil. God maintaining the just call, God stepping into individual situations, God working and caring for somebody personally and taking something bad and beginning to work it for good. Um, One particular family uh, that comes to mind here is... is, that we began to see God do so. We, I had, we had mucked out their house, and I went over to their house a couple of days later to see how things were going, and the mom and dad are out in the front yard, so I stop, and, I, and they kind of drag me over to this particular spot in the yard, and they're telling me this story. Hey, we want you to know, like, they showed up, and they helped us with our house, and that was unbelievable. We would have never been able to do it by ourselves. And then they stopped, and they prayed for us right here. They wanted to make sure we were on the same spot of ground. They prayed for us right here. And what they knew in that moment was there was a bad situation that God was somehow going to begin to turn for the good. And it began with the people of God praying for them right there. It was almost a take off your shoes, this is holy ground kind of moment. But not just redemption. As good as it is that God can take bad and work it for good, we also saw restoration. That same family... Um, a special needs little girl who, uh, because of her situation, um, she had a favorite stuffed animal that was lost in the flood. They had to swim out of their house and all this, lost in the flood. And um, they're telling me about this. And I'm on the phone on the way back to the office after talking to them. And I'm on the phone with a certain church member. It looks a little bit like um, a guy who visits us at Christmas time. Anybody know Tony Pennison? I said, Tony, Linda. I need to know if you can get your hands on this particular doll. And they said, we're on it. So Linda is Googling this and finding out that Toys R Us has it. Back when we had a Toys R Us, uh, they're finding out that Toys R Us has it. They go by, pick it up, and make the delivery that day. So it's not just redemption that God is working good from bad, but also restoration. Like God is bringing good to people and doing good for people. And I, I can't think of a better set of stories uh, than the one that Dave Clemens is about to tell when he comes up here. Uh, this is my friend Dave Clemens, everybody. We've known each other for a long, long time, and he has a couple of incredible stories of how God is restoring things and expressing his care for us personally. I could probably talk a long time about the number of things that God did for us last year, uh, despite our house flooding and losing everything, 90% of probably everything we had and uh, having it piled on the curb. But some of the key things that stood out and that meant a lot to us were sometimes in the most simplistic form. And my son had had a, a long-handled shoehorn. 
that he had probably used for uh, for years since he was little. And you know, in those times when your your routine is broken and and things are chaotic, I mean, you're looking for that favorite pair of shoes or that shirt. And not that we're putting all our faith and our trust in our things, but you know, some of those things become a part of our routine. And so we're trying to you know put those things together. And after the storm and and everything got packed up, what was left and got thrown into storage, you know, we couldn't find that shoehorn anywhere and he was looking for it. And certainly we were able to go out and replace those, but we couldn't find, you know, something that was comparable. One of the ones broke, it was a smaller one. And, uh, you know, we, it kind of fell off the radar. And then a couple months later, when we moved into our house that we're in now, I was rummaging through the back recesses of a closet and looking through some leftovers from the person who had the house before us, things that she left. And lo and behold, in that house in the back corner was a long-handled shoehorn. You can imagine that. I mean, that six months ago, you know, it's almost like it was placed there. And that was a moment that I know for my son was a, a reminder that God cares for us. Even in the littlest things, he cares for us personally. And the second story is about the grandmother books that my wife had. Uh, she had them stored in her nightstand. And it was two books from her late grandmothers that had stories and family history, a lot of photos. Those were gone in the flood. And some people in this church that were helping us clean up were just peeling apart the wet pages. Just, I mean, there was nothing that could be done. You know, they were ruined. And about two months later, her dad calls and is asking, you know, how are things going? And, you know, well, you know, hey, we're getting a lot of love, getting a lot of support. But these two memory books are just are just gone. It was the, probably the one thing that she cried over and meant a lot to her. Well, he said, I was going through some drawers and for other reasons, and uh, he found a manila envelope. And inside that envelope were copies of these books. My wife didn't remember making copies. Nobody remembers making copies of those books ever. But the fact that those two things were used uh, to display just God's provision and his act of restoration because he does care for us personally. So um, I, with each of these little things, I just make sure that we set our eyes on a particular lesson I have taken away from this. Here's the thing for this. Um, God cares for us personally, and so the lesson that goes along with that is something like this, that, that we can then, and we should, we should bring everything to him because he is over everything. He reigns over shoehorns and memory books and little toys and all of these kinds of things. We can bring and should bring everything to him because he is over everything. Um, Peter says it this way in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Another translation, cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Again, not y'all. I mean, that's true, but he cares for you. And so the things that we're holding on to, the cares, the, the anxieties, the worries that are deep down inside of us, whatever they may be, um, uh, you know, we think sometimes, I don't know if I could live without this stuff. Like, well, who would I be or what would I be? And God's going, no, no, cast that stuff off of you and onto me. Why? Because I care for you. We think somehow they're ballast in our ship, and God's like, no, they're anchors that are not letting you go where you need to go. Instead, cast all that upon because he cares for you. We can bring everything to him because he is over everything. Second 
um, principle, I think, out of this um, in verse 5. Um, you, David begins to kind of pan the camera back. Verse 5, you have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end and everlasting ruin. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. Now, I don't know exactly what was going on in David's life that caused him to put this down in poetry, but um, the, the thing I think that's crucial for you and me to take away is the, the principle that's lasted uh, for us. It, it goes something like this, that not only does God care for us personally and we can take everything to him, but, but secondly, God can handle the big stuff. I mean, here we've got rebuking nations and making the wicked perish and blotting their name out and overturning cities, uprooting cities. God can handle the big stuff. And so the lesson for that, I think for you and me to carry away, is that because he can handle the big stuff, you and I, we can do more than we ever imagined we could. If God can handle nations and cities and all that kind of stuff, and we get to be a part of this, then we can trust him with our big stuff. Anybody have any big stuff going on in their lives? God can handle it. He can handle it. And because he can handle it, we can do more than we ever imagined. He can, when a hurricane comes, he can get us prepared, and he can get us out the door, and he can help us with our plan, and he can adapt that plan as things roll forward. I mean, like, over and over and over again, we saw God do the big stuff. I know some of you are stats people, um, and so because you're statistics people, I just wanted to put some of these before you. Uh, this is a pretty powerful, as I started pulling these out, I was like, uh-uh, are you kidding? What? He, ah, and it just kept going from here. Um, there's just some numbers that are going to pop up on the screen for you numbers people. Here's one. Um, we quit counting sometime in March. I, I really, so whatever this number is, it's a thousand plus unique individual volunteers. And that's not ministerially speaking, okay? That's not like a pastor blowing up a number. Like that's for real when we quit counting uh, in March. A thousand plus unique individual volunteers gave hours and blood and sweat and tears um, to the efforts post-hurricane. Second, um, there were, we helped over 1,250 families. Again, we quit counting um, late spring, but 1,250 families helped in the various efforts that we had. Here's another one. We have almost, our little fanatic group here um, called Heritage Park, we mucked out almost 300 homes, which for us, church our size, is unbelievable, for me, unbelievable. The percentage of homes that we mucked out versus our size. Unbelievable. Fourthly, we've helped 100 plus homes in phase two. Uh, question if, if Phase two, if you're not familiar with kind of the language that we've used around here, phase one was let's get the junk out of there. Phase two was let's build, let's build some stuff back in there. Um, 100 plus homes. Uh, we're finishing one up this week. Um, and some a church member came up and told me about another one just a moment ago. So, 100 plus homes in phase two, helping with sheetrock and doors and that kind of thing. Here's another one. Uh, okay, this is Brookside. Uh, Brookside, the intermediate school that's right down the street. Everybody nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, you remember that uh, right in the, they're the one that took the most water in Harvey, 18 inches of water all throughout the school. Um, we did a drive through distribution a couple weeks post-Harvey. 480 families came through uh, and helped with that. Um, we at, uh, did a Christmas thing for them as well. Uh, we raised about $12,000, and 112 families were helped at Christmas time um, get their stuff. It was phenomenal. And then, uh, how many of you remember that we did a little ham thing at Christmas time? If you were here, ham thing, who's with me? Okay, we were expecting about 25 hams. We were like, let's shoot for like 25 hams. That'd be awesome. 
God loves ham, apparently, because he... None of this Old Testament stuff. No, no, we're New Testament ham people now. Uh, but, b- because uh, we raised 300, uh, excuse me, 3,550 bucks for, and distributed 300 hams, not just at Brookside and Wedgwood, which were kind of our two targets, but we were actually able to help two other schools as well. Um, uh, Ross on 518 and then a school in the Dickinson ISD. So phenomenal. That, w- that was incredible. Here's another one. As this one came in, I was like, are you kidding me? Non-cash donations. So drills, shop vacs, brooms, shovels, uh, food, uh, uh, water. Anybody remember the water? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I remember. So does my hernia. Uh, 250 thousand dollars in non-cash donations uh, before we get to the last one I just, like this time last year I was sitting at my kitchen table trying to hammer some of this stuff out like okay God how do you want us to respond at no point did this set of stats cross my brain like and God's up there going just watch Non-cash donations, and here's the number that is exact. We can actually count this one to the penny. $258,018.42 were given. We didn't miss the 42 cents. If that was you, we didn't miss it. Uh, we're, we're given cash donations to hurricane relief um, through just through our little band of merry men and women. I say that to say nobody dreams this up, Right? Nobody imagines that this is going to go this way. Like, God can handle the big stuff. And He has. And He will. We then can do more than we ever imagined. Why? Because we're awesome, right? I mean, that's the thing. No, 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 not, not at all. It's because God is so big and he can handle the big stuff. And one of the things that happens when we kind of prioritize our lives and get our, when we um, align ourselves with that, not only do we see resources flow in, which is just part of it. Um, I just think that's a phenomenal way that God uh, uh, readied us for, for the ministry that was to happen. But not only do we see kind of those resources flow in, but we saw these volunteers just kept coming. And one of the things that was uniquely compelling um, to several people outside, in fact, I um, I pinged several people this week. Hey, tell me your favorite Harvey story. Tell me your favorite Harvey story. This one came from Amy White, who ran so many of our volunteer teams in that front section of time. She said, um, and I'm going to quote here from her text message in reply, I heard from people all over, we heard that Heritage Park was doing something and we want to help. And they came. Hawaii and Oregon and every other state you can possibly imagine. I think at one point we were keeping track Lost all of that. I heard from people all over. We heard Harris Park was doing something. We want to help. There's something magnetic about stepping out into what God is doing and letting him handle the big stuff, and, and people are just drawn to that. Uh, we actually, one of the ladies who's been uh, with us for just right at a year now, um, uh, uh, joined our church family because of what God is doing. And she couldn't be here, so she sent a little video, a little 30-second video. This is Brenda Oden. that while there was so much devastation and people lost so much, I gained so much. I found a church that was giving and loving and really being the hands and feet of Jesus. 
I saw strangers helping strangers and just taking people in and loving on people. And I knew that that was where God was leading me. That was the home that I have been searching for for so long. So thank you, Heritage Park Baptist Church, for being the hands and feet of Jesus, not only to me, but to so many. God bless you guys. So God is handling the big stuff. We can trust him with that stuff. And it, it is magnetic in so many ways uh, to some important things. So here, here's, uh, here's the third part. Verse 7, um, the reason we rejoice, we praise, we give thanks, all of that. Um, God cares about us and he cares about us personally. Um, secondly, God is handling the big stuff. Thirdly, uh, God is very much still God. Verse 7, but the Lord sits enthroned for how long? What's it say? How long? Oh, forever. The Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples uh, with uprightness. Because he sits enthroned forever, the principle I pull out of that is that very much you and I can count on that today, tomorrow, yesterday, one year ago, and one year from now, God is still God. God is still God. Um, what happens, I think, this is pastor speaking now, what happens, I think, when we, um, when the, the pace of change in our lives, whatever that may be, be it too fast or too slow, um, when the pace of change comes or when we look around our circumstances and we think, hey, I don't think I'm actually supposed to be like this. I don't think I'm supposed to be in this particular set of circumstances. Um, we begin to doubt and believe the lie that the enemy comes along. He tells us something like this. Hey, if you were a better blank, just fill in your favorite thing, or if you were more whatever, uh, then this wouldn't be happening to you. Hey, if you were richer, this wouldn't be happening to you. If you were a better Christian, this wouldn't be happening to you. If you were a kinder person, if you were a nicer person, if you went to church more, if you read your Bible more, prayed more, gave more, if you um, were a different color or a different socioeconomic status, or if you could actually afford to live in that neighborhood, or this is the big one, if your faith was actually real, or if your faith was really strong, you wouldn't be going through this right now. God's forgotten about you, passed over you. Good luck. The enemy comes along and says that. And I'm here to say that because God is still God, because he, as it says, David here, the Lord sits in throne forever. Um, the same God who was faithful two years ago, it was faithful a year ago, is faithful today, and a year from now is still going to be faithful. The same God who was powerful two years ago, was powerful a year ago, was powerful today, and is going to be powerful forever. The same God who was good then is good now and will be good forever. And furthermore, the same God who the Bible says is for you, was for you then, is for you now, and will be for you forever. Why? Because Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures, is the same yesterday and today and forever. So don't believe the lie that the enemy brings along to try to beat you down or, or, or put you under in some way. The same God who was there then is the same God who is with us now. And he shows this, kind of expresses itself, judging the world with righteousness, judges the people with uprightness, establishes throne for justice. He's at work. That's the thing. And because he's at work, we can trust him to continue to be at work. There were moments when people would show up 
Um, uh, when, when we needed exactly what we needed, God would just express his provision for his people. We prayed for forks one time, forks came. Um, we prayed for size two diapers one time for this particular mom, size two diapers came. We prayed for volunteers. In walks a team from Dell Computers. I said, I'm a Mac guy. Sorry, you can't work here. You know, no, we didn't. We didn't say that. We're like, get to work, you people. Okay, we'll go. So, I mean, you got all of that. So one of the uh, folks, Nina, um, uh, was talking to me this week. I was asking her about this. And she, this, is, uh, this is the quote. She said, you know, there are times when I love it when, uh, when God shows up in socks. I'm like, when God shows up in socks, tell me about this. Well, she was up at the church and had a minute. She was trying to unpack a box. She's overhearing this conversation uh, between a mom and her son. I, I really want some socks, these particular kind of socks, what I need, blah, 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 blah. And what does she pull out of the box that she's unpacking? Not just any old sock. Those socks. Whatever they were, those socks. God shows up in socks. Um, there were, at one point, we had three trailers in one day. Amy White, you remember that one? Everybody else remember that when we had three semi-trailers come in uh, all in one day, God just expressing his provision for his people. There were tons of unsung heroes, people that God was using in his work that we won't know about, we won't see. I just I think about for us personally as a church, I, I think about all the gals who ran the kitchen, Nikki and Miriam and everybody else who was in there. I'm going to miss people. I'm sorry in advance. I think about the, the guys who ran um, you know, Heritage Park Home Depot down there organizing all the tools and that kind of stuff. Uh, all of the people who gave hours upon hours upon hours to the command center and making sure we were organized. Amy and Jim and Carolyn, Rebecca, she's not here. Lauren was here. Um, um, others. I just, uh, the uh, Jennifer Joyner and Renee who ran the clothing stuff. I mean, just hours upon hours. Unsung heroes. And God used those people to, to give expression um, to his power, to his work. And so uh, the lesson I want to take away from this goes something like this. that we, You and I, we need to remember that God is bigger than we thought. God is bigger than we imagined. God is bigger than we dreamed. Like God is still God, and that God is bigger than whatever. He's bigger than. Last, um, last little principle here. We rejoice and exult and recount and be glad and sing. Uh, verse 9, because the Lord is a stronghold. Here we go. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. A stronghold goes something like this. A stronghold is a, it's a place of, of safety and security, of shelter, if you will. And those, verse 10 is my favorite verse in Psalm 9. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have never forsaken. You have not forsaken those who seek you. So God is a stronghold. He is this shelter, this place for safety and security. And the lesson I think that you and I walk out of this uh, with goes something like this. That God, uh, as, a sh as a stronghold, that shelter and place of safety and security, God loves this community. Now the question goes something like this that follows. How does he love this community? And what's the answer? Through you and through me. I mean, that's how he will go about practically expressing his love. He will show that love through us. Um, a couple of things I wanted to make sure and uh, read here. Um, 
Frank and I were outside uh, one day, I don't even remember the date, and I just I wrote this down. If anyone wants to know why we're doing ministry the way that we're doing in post-Harvey Houston, it's because Frank Aragon and I uh, stood outside our church building while I changed the battery on my wife's car and shared the gospel for 30 minutes with a Muslim man from a country in Africa. He showed up because we had helped him muck out his house, had given him a dehumidifier, and then he needed to check the moisture reading on his studs. So Frank followed him to his house with that moisture meter uh, and, and uh, got the information that he needed. We, here's the thing, and this is what I said. We don't cross paths with this guy without the kind of intentional and intense ministry that we did. God is going to display his love for this community through us. That's how that happens. So the pushback becomes, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so thank you for that. But, I mean, I'm sure he can use that person sitting like two seats down from me, not me. Question, how many people are useful in the kingdom of God in his hands? How many? This is the picture that wrecked me. I was undone. Donna Crenshaw... Folding socks, it looks like, actually. I'm not useful. Picture's worth a thousand words. God is going to love this community, and he's going to love this community through us. So what would this look like? I just Maybe it looks like folding socks. Maybe it looks like this. Uh, one of the guys who gave me some feedback was uh, Carl Chavers, Cowboy Carl. Anybody know Cowboy Carl? Here's what he said. I, I know it would take several books to tell all of these things, but let me share one specific instance that blessed my heart. We were putting some things into the container outside when a lady uh, was sent to us to unload her SUV. She had some beautiful dining room chairs and I, I, that she wanted to bring to the church, and as we were unloading them, I made the comment about how nice they were, and she broke down crying. She had lost everything else. We all stopped what we were doing, held hands, and asked if it was okay if we prayed for her. Of course, she was excited for someone to pray for her, so as I was praying, she was holding on to my hand as if her life depended upon it. And when I finished, she hugged me and said how grateful she was that we had helped her. And here's the thing, you could see a glimmer of hope in her eyes. How is God going to love this community? He's going to love it through us. I don't want to run past verse 10 here, just this. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. He's never forsaken anybody who has sought him, and he leaves breadcrumbs along the way just in case we think otherwise. Last story. This picture. I had to share this. My in-laws live in one of the worst-hit neighborhoods in Houston. They're in their 80s. They fled to Birmingham, so husband and I went by to clean their house today. Horrific. Looked like a war zone. I was struck by the Bible on the floor in standing water. I took a picture and sent it to my brother-in-law, who responded, don't, don't, don't miss it. Look at the pages. Look at the pages, chapter and verse that's on display. It's Song of Solomon 8-7. Got that one memorized, anybody? No? I'm not making this up. Surging waters cannot quench love. Floodwaters cannot overflow. 
He's never forsaken those who seek him. If you come today and you're like, hey man, my seeking tank is empty. I just want you to know, floodwaters can't quench that. They, they don't overwhelm it. Um, your best response, if you came and your seeking tank is empty, your best response is to hear this, that God has sought you first. He has sought you first. You're here for a reason today. and He sought you first. Not just to remember something that happened a year ago. You're here because there is a God of today who is seeking you. And, and your best response is just to let him, let him seek you in that way. If you're here today and you think, man, I, I'm in on that. Like, I'm going to keep seeking. I, then I, I'm cheering you on saying, let's go hard because there's plenty still to do out there. The soil, if you will, spiritually speaking, is well watered and we get to share about the love that God has for us. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm, after all this, I'm not even sure that there is a God. You're here for a reason. He's seeking you even right now. And he's never forsaken those who turn their eye toward him. I would encourage you to do that. Just turn your eye toward him. If we can pray for you, there'll be a few of us at the back here at those tables. We'd love to do that. I'm going to offer a prayer here, and then we'll sing a couple of songs of celebration and gratitude, as David told us to, and then we'll dismiss in a moment. Let's pray. Uh, Father, one year out, it feels pretty different than it did a year ago, um, but... What I'm grateful for um, in this moment is that um, you're the same God. And you've never forsaken those who seek you. And everybody, everybody, no matter their situation or status right now, if they come trusting you, then you don't turn your back away. God, no matter how they come, you don't turn away from them. Um, thank you for allowing us to be a part of the things that we've gotten to see and do. Uh, that's a gift of grace that we wouldn't have ever asked for, but man, it's a pretty powerful thing looking back. Um, thank you for how you've sustained us. Thank you for how you've given us strength. Thank you for all of that. We sing, as we did a while ago, that your faithfulness is great. It is great. Now for everybody in here, as we get ready to respond, whatever our response needs to be, Lord, I pray that you would meet us. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.